Hello, and welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, aka Nomad Neeks, and this podcast is the place to be if you are looking to start creating a lifestyle that you love. From business, entrepreneurship, travel, starting and sustaining a digital nomad lifestyle, and of course, making money online and investing, we talk about all of it here. So let's dive into it. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm totally laughing at myself. I sound happy, which I guess is great, but I don't know. Today's been a very chill day here in Santiago in Chile, so I don't know why I sounded so happy, but maybe I'm happy because I feel like these Monday episodes are becoming, and I'm sure it won't always be this way. I don't plan them crazy in advance. I usually plan them a week before, but the last few ones have been about finance, residency. I mean, that is kind of my area, what I love helping people with, what I love talking about, but today's going to be a similar one. I'm going to try to keep today's solo episode short, and it's something I've been thinking about recently, which is retirement for nomads, and I feel like nobody is talking about this. Because being a digital nomad, it's a pretty new thing. It has been pretty mainstream, of course, in the last three-ish years. It's been around for, I would say, somewhat mainstream for a decade. And it's been around longer than that, but that was pretty not mainstream. And I know, I even had someone on the podcast, it was like a year ago, she was talking about how she was traveling and kind of living a nomadic life in the 80s or something wild like that. So it's definitely been around, but it's been easier. Maybe that's the better way to go about it in the last decade or so. So yeah, nomad retirement is not something I see anybody talking about because I think a lot of nomads are in their 20s, 30s, 40s for the most general population of digital nomads. And most of us are not really thinking about retirement, even though we should. And it's such an important part of finances for literally anybody, not just for nomads, of course. But there are, I have found in my global citizen journey, there are more nuances because if you're a digital nomad and you have left your country's residency, you travel full time, you just don't go back to your country. You know, there are things that you may not be able to take advantage of that you would be able to take advantage of if you had a regular life and you weren't traveling all the time and you lived and worked in your home country. In America, you can take advantage of many different tax advantaged accounts. America has quite a few of those and quite a few really great actually tax accounts. Not that that's something that I talk about because I more so talk about finance, investing, all of the things for global citizens, for me and the lifestyle that I love living, but I realized pretty quickly that nobody was talking about finance for the global citizen digital nomad community. If you want to find finance in America and IRAs and Roth IRAs and health savings accounts, oh my gosh, there is so much information on the internet, which I love and is so important, but it's so not applicable if you are a nomad and you have left your country. So for me, for example, I was born in Canada. And I did have a TFSA, a tax-free savings account. You can put a couple thousand dollars a year in that and then not be taxed. But 
it doesn't apply to me now because I don't live there. I am not part of that system. I cannot open or contribute to that. I also cannot hold any more investments in Canada. I can still have the ones that I had there and I can still have the dividends payout, but I can't actually invest any other money if I wanted to in Canada. For a lot of nomads, that is the reality for us. I wanted to talk today about, like I said, one of the most important aspects of life in general and finances for sure, but something that people are not really talking about. And that is retirement for digital nomads. This is not an exhaustive list by any means because I do want to keep this episode fairly short. This could be a very, very long episode if I go into everything that you could potentially do to start optimizing yourself for digital nomad retirement. If you do see a future for yourself as a digital nomad long term, of course, but today I made a post about this on Instagram recently. Today I'm going to go through some of the things, some of the important things that you can start thinking about to get your gears working for retirement as a digital nomad. Before I get into it, I do want to preface that you have to figure out what lifestyle you want for yourself to leave your home country's residency and to start optimizing all of these things and setting up different accounts places. And it may not be the best option for you, quite honestly, if this is not a long-term lifestyle that you see for yourself. I always get so cringe when I say long-term because nobody knows the future. You don't know what could happen in the future. But the plan that you have for yourself and that I have for myself is to be a nomad pretty full-time. I have two passports currently, maybe more in the future. I'm working on potentially getting some more residencies, getting some more passports. But two right now. And I don't really see myself living in either of those countries, but it is amazing to be able to hold those passports at the same time and be able to stay in those countries and regions of the world. You do want to figure out if this lifestyle is something you're going to want long-term. And by long-term, I mean multiple decades. One decade is not really long-term enough to, of course, to start planning for retirement, you definitely want to do that. But if you plan on going back to your home country in 10 years, then it may be best to just stay in your home country system because it will be more difficult and there will be more nuances to become a resident of that country again or a citizen. But that's a much bigger decision once you have left. That's the first consideration in this conversation is what type of lifestyle do you see for yourself long term? I know a lot of nomads see this lifestyle as a long-term lifestyle, which I love, but I think there are some nomads out there who haven't thought about the long-term, which is totally fine and super fun because you're living in the moment, you're traveling. Are you going to want to go back to your home country? Are you going to partially want to go back to your home country? Are you going to want to buy a house in your home country? Have those kind of big ties, for example, and this is really interesting. My parents own a few different homes. Whenever they pass on, I could have those homes in my name between my brother and I, but I wouldn't because that would bring me back into the Canadian tax system. That is something that I have to be cautious about. And there are quite a few nuances to leaving Canada and to leaving any country. The healthcare was a big part of it as well. In Canada, we get big air quotes free healthcare. I don't know how free it is because taxes are pretty high, but free healthcare and oh gosh, I could rant about the Canadian healthcare because the wait times are outrageous. Anyways, the first point that I have that is pretty important is to start 
early. We all hear this. We hear this about investing. We hear this about basically optimizing anything in your life. You want to start early, but what the heck does that actually mean? And what does that look like? So you want to start thinking about where you're going to have your money for retirement, what you're going to be holding for retirement. Do you want to have homes around the world? Do you want to have investments in your home country? Do you want to have investments in different markets around the world, in different countries around the world so that you can? It was really interesting. I was just watching a talk the other day of somebody who, as his business model, what he does, he goes into different markets and sees what shares, what companies are undervalued, and he will buy those. And of course, when you're playing with stocks and stocks specifically, it's a pretty big risk, which is why I don't recommend stocks too much, but you know, if if he can read that data properly and is willing to take that risk, then he can make some pretty good gains in different markets around the world that a lot of people would think are undervalued. This particular market that he was talking about was Kazakhstan. So crazy, right? You would never think to invest in Kazakhstan, but you can make a lot of money on gains if you know what you're doing, of course. And you do it properly. For me, that is a bit risky. But for other people and people who are day trading and are very comfortable with risk, then that could look different. You want to figure out what your plan looks like and get started early. Getting started early can also look like setting up multiple bank accounts around the world in different countries. Getting started early can look like having a plan for the future. Really, what I recommend is to the first step is to have a plan. So to think about what you want your future as a nomad to look like, what you want your retirement to look like, what are your goals? Are you realistically going to meet those goals with the trajectory that you, your business, your career, whatever it may be, wherever you get your money from? The trajectory that that is on now, is it going to be realistic? And if the answer is yes, and if the answer is no, then rework it. Quite honestly, I deal in realism and of course being optimistic, but really in realism and looking at the data and the numbers and where you truly think that you can go in the future. And then once you have that plan, start taking action towards it. Everyone's get started early looks different, but whether it is going to be growing your business and making money off of your business, which is a great way to build wealth, especially if you want to, you know, really make some money in investments or real estate. You need to have the money there initially, unless you have an amazing idea and you have angel investors or something like that. But that is less typical. So not really focusing on that so much for this episode. But having a business is one of the best ways. I think this is also not talked about enough. Having a business is one of the best ways to make money. We get told, okay, here's going to be a, a short little rant of mine. We get told to invest in the S&P 500 and buy all the safe stocks and ETFs and all of the things. And of course, we always get told invest in real estate, usually housing, property, not so much commercial real estate I find is less talked about, which can be very, very profitable. We get told kind of the basic things, buy the stocks, save as much as you can per month and buy investments or put it towards real estate. Is that truly going to build you wealth? Well, it can. 
It definitely can. I know my parents built wealth through houses, but the housing market looked very different multiple decades ago. It's especially in a country like Canada, America, it can be difficult when a house is a million dollars to start building a portfolio of real estate when your salary is pretty middle class salary. That may not look realistic. It also may not real look realistic to eventually have one or two million dollars held in your investment account because you have to have usually 100k to a few hundred k to really start seeing that compound interest effect. It's it's really interesting for me because we're told so often to yes, invest in the real estate, have the investments, you're going to get rich. That's how people get rich. I truly believe that that is how the middle class get rich. I've been thinking a lot about this recently, the middle class and how do you change classes? How do you, yeah, it, it's very interesting to me. I won't dive into that in this episode. To truly change your class and to truly make money off of something like real estate, like investments, you need to have a lot to invest in. And most middle-class people who are working for somebody else, who are doing what we are told because every government, every society needs a middle class. In order for the wealthy to be wealthy, there needs to be a middle class. There just, there needs to be. And I think, you know, when you start diving down the class structure and really breaking it down on how you can become wealthy, it's so interesting to me. But maybe I'll do another episode on this because it could be a whole nother episode. If you truly do want to build wealth, is the point that I'm saying, then think about what you can do to get there. And a lot of the time in, the, in today's day and age, it won't be through real estate and it won't be through investments to become generationally wealthy. Everyone who I know, everyone who I've had on this podcast, and everyone who I have seen online who is, is or says they are, to be fair, in the online space, have generational wealth, they have built it through a business. They have built a multi-million dollar system of a business that is generating them income. And the beautiful thing about that is that eventually, once it gets big enough, you can just be the face and you can outsource all of the behind the scenes work. And that is, in my opinion, how you truly do build generational wealth and how you become wealthy, how you have true money. This is not talked about enough for the middle class because, like I said, in order for the wealthy to be wealthy, there needs to be a middle class. There needs to be people who will work for somebody else and grow their business for quite honestly a nominal amount of money for a conglomerate that is bringing in so much money at the end of every single year. Okay, end of rant. That is my wealth and class <laughs> rant. I think it's so interesting. If you're interested in hearing more, then feel free to reach out to me, Instagram, wherever that may be, where you follow me. I'd be happy to dive into that a little bit more. There are some nuances around that, but love that topic. If you really do want to build wealth for yourself and that not everybody wants, let me just say this as well. Not everybody wants to build wealth for themselves in such a grandiose way. A lot of people are happy having their own business and making enough and enough can be any number. Enough can be half a million dollars a year. 
and making enough so that they can live a good lifestyle and they can have a small team behind them and they can continue their nomad lifestyle, buy a house, whatever it may be. There's a lot of people who are happy with that and don't want to build this huge big business. And that's totally okay too. But I do think if you really want to make any sort of entrepreneurial change, impact, wealth, business, whatever that may be, there needs to be a mindset shift. And of course there does. I was brought up in the middle class as well. What a lot of us are taught and shown through words and actions growing up are, of course, middle class, not what the upper class are taught. Anyways, I digress. Okay, let's move on. My next retirement for nomads tip is to have different bank accounts. Again, this is pretty easy if you're not a nomad. If you're living in one country full time, you do all of your banking and your trading and investments and all of the things are done in one country and potentially just one bank. You're with one company for a bank. Then that's pretty simple. You can set up different bank accounts. But as a digital nomad, and I'm thinking of my case, and I know a lot of other nomads case specifically, being that I have bank accounts in multiple countries around the world. I also don't use my Canadian one too, too much because I'm out of that system and I'm not really supposed to. So my tip here is to have different bank accounts, but the key here is with different purposes. Each of them can be set up for different purposes. I know I have a European fintech bank account and two six. It's really cool because N26 gives you the ability to have what they call spaces. You can basically have different spaces or different accounts or different accounts within your one account as a space to say, okay, this is a money for retirement. This is a money for long-term goals. Maybe you want to really splurge out for a 30th birthday or a 50th birthday, whatever it may be, and you want to start saving now. Make sure that you have different accounts for different purposes. They don't have to be in the same country. We're digital nomads. We're global citizens. We have assets, things, people. Everything is all over the world. It does not have to be in one country, but know what your bank accounts are and have different accounts for different things. Those different things are going to look different for everybody. Short-term goals, long-term goals, accommodation. Maybe you want to budget to $2,000 or $3,000 per month maximum on accommodation. Okay, great. Put some money in there if that's something that you find can get a little bit pricey for you or can get out of hand for you. Have different bank accounts for different purposes. Like I said, they don't need to be in the same country. But, and a question I have had before is if they're not in the same country, how do you keep track of these bank accounts? Doesn't it get confusing? Yep, it totally can. It absolutely can. But what I recommend and what I do personally to keep track of them is I download the app for all of them. They will all have a banking app. I have a folder on my iPhone that says finance, I think it's called, and any of my bank apps that I have, any of my investment accounts that I have, anything to do with finance. I have like splitwise in there as well. That kind of just compartmentalizes for me where I have money because some of these accounts do have monthly fees in different countries. I have to, usually they come out of the account automatically, so I don't have to go in and pay them, but I do like to see how much money I have in each account whenever I want, how much is coming out each month and all of those things. So that's how I keep track of it. Really simple system. I don't like to overcomplicate things if at all possible. That's what I do. 
All right. My last nomad retirement planning tip is a what should be, I hope, to be a very basic one. And that is to have insurance. Make sure that your insurance is legit is also important because this can ruin your financial future. If something goes wrong as nomads, we never know when something's going to go wrong, when or where. You want to make sure that you are covered, but you want to make sure that you're covered with a legit, reputable brand. I have an episode coming out in the future, probably in about two months-ish time with a nomad specifically, which was really cool to talk to him, nomad insurance expert. And it was so interesting to hear the nuances of nomad insurance from him. One of the things that really stood out to me was that if you have one of the plans that is lower cost, so maybe anywhere from like 40 to $80 per month, then likely that will not be insurance that will cover you forever. I have called and they have said that they will cover if something happens forever. But really what those plans are doing is that they will cover you until you can go back to your country of residence and get treatment there and then continue the treatment there. I thought this was really interesting because as a nomad, I don't have a home. I do have a country of residence, but I'm not there often. I thought it was interesting because I want coverage, long-term, full coverage in the country that I'm in and any other country I could potentially go in in the future. And these smaller monthly insurance plans don't really cover that. But if you do want a true comprehensive plan, it would be a few hundred dollars per month to really have a true comprehensive health insurance that will cover you regardless of where you are in the world. That episode is coming out in the near future. Like I said, we dive into it so, so much more. Oh my gosh, such a great episode. But I thought that that was important to mention and just the general concept of having a insurance. And it's also important to know when you're thinking of insurance, you want health insurance. Health insurance is not necessarily always going to come with the great perks of gear coverage and lost baggage coverage. And that's okay because for me, what I'm really worried about is my health. I can buy gear coverage or lost baggage coverage if need be. When I'm looking at health insurance, I'm looking at how it covers me and my health. I don't care about the gear insurance. Like I said in the beginning, start thinking about your retirement now. Think about it early. And having insurance is thinking about your retirement early. Even if it's 50 years out, 30 years out, doesn't matter. Think about it early. Have insurance to protect your future self. So start thinking about what that looks like for you. How can you start investing in your future, saving for your future? What are you going to do with those savings? And really, really make sure that you have a plan. Also, one other thing I didn't know that I want to note is a high yield savings account. You want to make sure that you have some sort of account in some country around the world. Most countries have some sort of offering like this where your money that you have for an emergency fund for savings that is not invested is not giving you more money. Of course, we want to have a little bit of money so that we, if something happens, we have that emergency money around. Have that making a little bit of money for you. I know in a lot of Western countries, they're offering the most nominal amounts of interest in the world, like 0.01%, no thank you. Make sure you have a high yield savings account. So 
it's a little bit more you can earn two, three, four, five percent, which you're still taxed on in that country. I just want to note, but it's better than the basically nothing that most of the traditional banks will give you. And I've seen a lot of the up and coming banks, the some of the fintech banks will give you more interest because they want to be competitive than to these older giant banks that have been around for years and years and years. One that I actually recommend that I got pretty recently is called Zappo. It's X-A-P-O. They're based in Gibraltar. So that right there signaled to me, yup, I think I'm going to like this company. And very simple signup process. They, You can hold Bitcoin and you can hold USD. So that's pretty cool. They do offer some high interest. I think it was 2%. So not the best, but also better than nothing. I have some of my money there and among other accounts, but Zaho is one that I've been using lately that I do recommend. And they will also mail you a card to your address, which is nice so that you have that. Fun little ending tip, I guess, if you listened to the end. So thank you for joining me in this episode. I tried to keep it short. I guess 30 minutes is short for me. I hope that is cool with you. Thank you for joining me here. All of my links are below if you want to connect, want to do whatever you want to do with them. They are all below. And I will see you in Wednesday's episode. We have three episodes out per week. So this is Monday. I will see you in Wednesday's episode.